Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Chapter 4, verse 13 and 14, which are really going to be our key verses uh, over the next uh, four weeks. And it says this, it's going to come up on the screen. Uh, Look here, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year, we'll do business there, we'll make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning fog. It's here for a little while, and then it's gone. You just never know what's around the corner. You just never know what the next day or the next hour is going to bring. We, we saw that this week. You know, Andy's alluded to it. I'm not going to go into everything that happened uh, in, in Las Vegas. Um, I, we heard about Monarch Airlines as well this week. There's people that have saved up and paid for holidays and they're looking forward to that holiday. It's just never going to happen because, you know, they've gone bankrupt. And, and you know, you, you can always read stories in the media. I remember a few years ago uh, reading a story about a guy who, he was a teacher, head teacher, who'd worked all his, life, his years as a teacher, uh, became a head teacher, retired, and four days after he retired, I think he was playing cricket or something, and, and he had a heart attack and died. Four days after retirement. He worked all his life, saved up his, and, and never got to... We just never know uh, what is going to happen. You see, we can often go through life uh, with our five-year plans, our ten-year plans, and, and planning is good, uh, but they're often our plans and, and not really God's plans for our life. Uh, they're, they're plans for, for this life, if I can say, but not really plans with eternity in mind. Not really plans looking at the fact that this is just a short, as it says, a morning fog, our lives, but then there's the rest of eternity that we're going to live, and we need to live with eternity in mind. If you, if you were here a few months ago, I actually preached a message where I gave this illustration of the rope. Uh, if you remember, if you were paying attention, Francis Chan's illustration of, of this long rope that he had. If you look, imagine a rope that goes off to infinity, And you have a little section taped off at the end of the rope. And that was representing our life, our 70, 80 years that we have uh, on earth. And then the rope that goes on forever, just talking about the rest of eternity that we have to live. So really making it matter is a series where we're just focusing into uh, living, yes, a great life here on earth, but living a life that makes a difference in eternity. Living a life where we're using our resources, our time, we're using our, our story, our calling, our opportunities to really make it matter instead of using it on just frivolous things. And so we're going to, as I said, talk about this for, for about um, four weeks and different topics over the four weeks. And we're going to hear from a few different speakers during that, that time as well. So I'm, I'm really excited to be challenged by God to be challenged by God. You see, I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to challenge you, to encourage you. Um, you know, I, I hope I'm, I'm, I'm not boring. I hope you don't fall asleep. But ultimately, I'm not here to entertain you. Uh, sorry to disappoint you. But if you are here wanting entertained, just for you, I've got one joke before I start. Do you, do you want a joke uh, before I start my message today? You're up for a joke? Okay, here's the joke. So, it's a story about a pastor and a taxi driver. So both of these men died on the same day. And they both believed in Jesus and both went to heaven. Uh, and 
first of all, the pastor got to, you know, Peter, and, and, he, and, and he said, well, you know, I'm going to just take you across to your, your mansion. And so the pastor, he took, took him off in a, in a car, drove him, and got to his... Do they have cars in heaven? Well, they probably do. Um, drove him to, to his, his mansion, and it was lovely. And he was really happy with it. But he knew the taxi driver, and he'd obviously died on the same day. And so he was happy with his, his little place. Um, and then he saw the, the taxi driver whizzing past in the limousine. And, and somebody was taking the taxi driver off to his place. And he looked up on the hill, uh, and he saw this big windy road, and he saw the, the, the kind of limousine going up to this massive mansion on the top of the hill. Like huge, like 10 times as big as his. And, and so he thought, I'm a pastor, and I get this little one, this little house. It's nice, but it's small. And here is the taxi driver getting this massive mansion on the top of the hill. I've surely, I've, I've laid out more treasures in heaven than him. And so when an opportunity uh, came about, he, he asked Peter, and he said, well, it just seems a bit unfair that I get this place and he gets this massive mansion on the hill. So Peter's response was this. He said, while you preached, people slept. He said, while he drove, people prayed. <laughs> An eternal impact that the taxi driver made. So um, I, I hope you're not sleeping today. We'll, we'll make sure we keep you awake. I mean, to be honest with you, unrelated, but a little bit related to what we're looking at. We're talking about eternal laying up treasures in heaven, uh, making it matter. And so today, um, this week, we are going to be talking um, through one of my favorite topics. Um, I'm not sure if it's your favorite topic, but we're talking about finance. We're talking about tithing this morning. And uh, for those of you that are new here today, um, I, I just want you to know we don't always talk about money um, in, in Arena, in Mansfield, but um, we do talk about money um, because uh, it's important to talk about. We talk about it for two reasons, because the Bible has a lot to say about it, first of all, um, but also because it's very relevant for your life. Because money's a big issue for us in our lives. And it's amazing. You can probably think into your life and realize just how relevant and money worries and, and all of that. It's so important to our lives. That's the reality. And I mean, if, if I can be honest with you, if we had nothing to say about money as a church, I think we would be out of touch with our world. Can I say that? I, I, I firmly believe that. And that's why uh, Jesus has so much to say about money. Just so you know, as, as a pastor, it's not that I love to talk about it, but my background, and, and I'm still working in financial services, so when, you know, I talk about money all day anyway, so quite comfortable talking about it, but I just want you to know a little bit of my heart, if I can share that before we start, because it's very easy to think that churches are only after your money uh, because they want to, you know, fatten their bank account, as it were. But really, um, if I can just share my heart, and, and Paul says it so well in, in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 14, and it really just sums up my attitude uh, to, to when I talk about money. He says this, he says, uh, talking to the Corinthians, he was under accusation a little bit about taking their money and defending himself, and he says this, I don't want your possessions, I want you. I don't want your possessions. I'm not interested in your possessions. I'm interested in your, you. I'm interested in where your heart lies. And can I say, that's a little bit about 
the, the heart of God when it comes to talking about our finances as well. He says, he's not interested in your money. He's interested in your heart. Where is your heart? You know, the Bible says that where your treasure is, there your heart is too. The same scripture passage that talks about laying up treasures in heaven, laying up treasures for eternity, that our heart will be for eternity rather than laying up treasures for ourselves uh, here on, on, on earth and just, uh, you know, building our bank account, as it were. God wants your heart. Uh, he doesn't just want your money. And so, you know, my heart is the same, uh, is that when we talk about tithing, that, um, that, and we're going to look at the meaning of the word tithing in a moment, um, that we're looking at our heart in the matter. Because Matthew 15 verse 8 talks about uh, people who honor God with their tithes, but their heart is far from you. So in other words, it's possible to tithe, it's possible to give to God, but your heart is still far from Him. And so that's really the, the gist of it um, this morning. Uh, and that's the reason why it's so important that we talk about it. For those of you that don't know, God has enough money. Yeah? It's the same with wisdom. God is wise enough. He doesn't need your input, your wisdom. God is rich enough. He's powerful enough. He, he doesn't need your money. But the wonderful thing is that He's wise enough to understand that when He uses us for provision, that there's a work that happens in our heart that actually benefits us in the long term. So God could choose just for supernatural provision, for, for, for money just to arrive uh, you know, out of heaven, uh, for the church to do what it needs to do. But God chooses to use people to provide because he cares about the work that's happening in your heart uh, regarding finance. So we're going to look just at a few things. And I think it's really important if, you're not, uh, if you've not been around church for us just to be very clear and very basic. So um, you, you know, if, you, if you've been around church a bit longer, you might know some of the stuff that I'm about to say. Uh, but I think we, we really need to be clear uh, in our teaching when it comes to tithe. And the first thing I want to say um, is, is that tithing is a tenth. So if we look at the, the root of the Hebrew word, um, which means exactly that, a tenth, um, it's literally a definition of the tithe is, is one tenth. And it was originally found in the Old Testament. And the people of Israel would um, not just give 10% of their money, but they would give 10% of their agricultural produce, of everything, uh, of all of their increase, really. So firstly, very quickly, tithing is a tenth. Um, but also, the next thing I want to say is this, that tithing began out of a grateful heart to God. That's the, the, the origin of tithing. Don't let anyone tell you that it was originated in a law that was given. It was in the law, and we'll look at that later. But um, tithing began out of a, a grateful heart to God. The oldest example of a tithe in the Bible is found in Genesis uh, chapter 14, which is, uh, the whole scripture is not going to come up on your screen, but it's there as a reminder on the screen, that just the, the, the chapter. And I'd encourage you to read that if you get an opportunity. And it's a story about Abraham. Basically, he had gone to war to pursue his nephew Lot, who'd been captured. He was living in the, in the city of Sodom, and uh, a king had raided uh, the, the town or the city and basically taken off Lot and a lot of the possessions uh, with him. 
Um, and so Abraham went to rescue. He took 300 of his men and he rescued Lot. He rescued all the possessions that were carried off um, and, and, and defeated this king. And it says this on his way back that he encountered um, Melchizedek, who was called the priest of the Most High God. And obviously quite, we can go in more detail into who exactly Melchizedek uh, was, but we're not going to talk about that. But basically a representative of God. Um, and what Abraham did, again, out of gratitude to God, not out of a command that was given to him, um, that he gave 10% of everything that he took, all the spoils that he took in that wall. So that's our first example where Abraham was just saying, God, you're so good to me. Uh, you, you've enabled me to rescue my, my nephew. You've enabled me to re- redeem all of the stuff that was taken. And God, as an acknowledgement of that, I want to give you uh, 10%. And then in Genesis 28, we see another example. Um, this time, Jacob, uh, who was Abraham's grandson. Um, basically, God was making a promise to him. He said, promise that you're going to give you a great land. I'm going to give you many descendants. And basically, Jacob's response was, if you protect for me, if you protect me, if you provide for me, then I will do this. I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. Again, not fulfilling a requirement in any law, but out of a heart of gratitude, said, God, if you're going to provide for me, if you're going to bless me, if you're going to protect me, as an acknowledgement of that, an appropriate response to a God who provides and protects is to say, God, I'm going to give you back 10%. And so the, these are really the, the oldest examples of really tithing starting out of a grateful heart to God. Not fulfilling or ticking a box. It's just out of gratefulness to acknowledgement that God provides. And so that's really how tithing began. Um, but we need to acknowledge the fact that tithing was also part of the Old Testament law. And for those of you that don't know, the Bible is split into the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, in the Old Testament, um, most of, you know, it's a lot to do with the people of Israel, uh, who at that time were God's chosen uh, people um, and descendants of Abraham, uh, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and so God put in place uh, a law. Um, which was basically dictating how the people should live and and living according to godly principles. And so it was a part of the law given to the people of Israel, part of the Mosaic law. And so worship, part of their worship to God was that they were required to give 10% uh, to him. And that was of their produce uh, because it was an agricultural um, uh, people at that time. And it was also used for, for sustaining the Levites, who were like the priesthood at that time. So there was obviously those, there was there's 12 tribes. One of them was the Levites who worked in the temple. They didn't get land like the other 11 got. Their whole duty was just to, to serve God uh, and to serve in the temple. And so what, what it was used for, uh, partly was used for providing for the Levites. These people who had no land, but they were just totally sold out to, 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 to worship, to, to being involved in the worship of God service in the temple. And so God used that as a way of supporting them. Now, can I just say, we're not under the law uh, that was given to the Israelites. That that law is is for the people of Israel. Israel. The Bible tells us we're under a new covenant, 
I don't think many of us are, uh, are Jewish by descent. If you are, fantastic. But, but I think probably the bulk of us aren't. So uh, we are not under the law that was given to the Israelites. However, what we need to understand is that when we're talking about tithing, it's not something that's just restricted to the Old Testament law. That it's something that, is, that, that predated uh, the, the, the laws that were given to the people of Israel. It's a principle involved. And we're going to talk a little bit uh, about that in a moment. So I want you to see through these scriptures that although, yes, it was a part of the law, it was originally something that came from a heart of gratitude to God for his uh, provision for us. But as I touched on, we, you know, when we read the New Testament, which really starts with Jesus coming to earth and, and, and the work that Jesus did on the cross and living you know, amongst us and, and then dying on the cross for our sins, that we're now under a new covenant. So we don't have to obey the Old Testament law. Basically, as we heard from, from Andy this morning, um, we're acceptable to Jesus, not because we obey law, but because Jesus' blood has been shed on the cross to cover all of our sins. So we don't have to do anything out of duty anymore, out of obeying the law. We do it out of a grateful heart to God. Does it ring a bell? out of a heart of gratitude. Everything we do is out of a heart of gratitude saying, God, you've done so much for me. You've died on, Jesus, you've died on the cross for my sins. I want to worship you. I want to do these things out of a heart of gratitude to God. And so, you know, re- really quickly, we're going to look at it a little bit about what the New Testament uh, says about tithing and what the New Testament um, says about giving. Because... Um, we are God's chosen people, everyone who calls on his name, people from every tribe and tongue, not just the Israelites now, are God's people. And as I said, we're under a new covenant. So the law of tithing is gone, but the principle remains. I'll say that again. The law of tithing is gone, but the principle remains. So just so you know, um, Jesus really spoke about uh, tithing in, it, in, in that in that way twice in the Bible. And both times it was actually used as really a rebuking for people who were being legalistic. So people who are saying, look at me, I tithe um, and, and I'm all that because I give 10%. Um, and Jesus was basically rebuking them. Matthew 23, 23 um, is a good scripture and it says this. I don't think it's going to come up on your screen, but it says this. It says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. Uh, You have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So in other words, he's, he's, he's not pushing tithing to the side, but he's saying tithing is not everything. Tithing is not the way... You can't be self-righteous because you've hit the mark, because you've ticked the box. It's about so much more. It's about about these things, justice, mercy, faithfulness. In other words, where's your heart? Where's your heart? Are you just doing it to tick a box? God's not interested in you ticking box. He's interested in where your heart is. And so really, in, in terms of tithing itself, it's really just those... Two times that he direct, Jesus directly references tithing. But he doesn't reject the principle 
Um, but he does recognize that it can so easily become something we do legalistically. Um, but what the, the New Testament does do, uh, and this is something that I just want to focus in for just, just a, for a few moments, is that the, the New Testament talks so much about giving. It talks so much about generosity. Um, and there's one particular verse that I just want to focus in on today. Um, in 1 Corinthians 16, uh, verse 2, um, which says this is going to come up on the screen. Um, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. And again, Paul is just addressing the, the Corinthian church and basically giving them some instruction regarding their giving and, and how it should be. So just a few points that I want to you know, highlight out of that, if you can keep that verse. Uh, on the screen, uh, media guys, just for a, for a moment. And, and, and the, really the things I want to say is this, that, that word first, on the first day of every week, and there's many other um, places in, in, in the Bible where it talks about first. Um, I think it's so important that we realize on the first day of the week, you, you put aside something towards God. The, the, when, when we say first, we're talking about your budget, your income, when it comes in, what's first priority? Is it what you have left over that you give to God? Or is it saying, God, I'm going to give my first to you? You see, I, as I said, I work in financial services, and, and every time I meet with, um, with customers, I, um, I go through a budget with them, and I go through their income, expenditure, I, I work in mortgages, so I have to assess whether it's affordable, um, you know, all of their expenditure. And it's interesting. I observe the patterns that people have on savings, um, and it's always, it always tickles me. It's amazing how many people say, I save whatever's left over at the end of the month. And let me tell you, those people generally have less in their savings than, than those people that say, I'll tell you what, I'll put aside it a certain amount at the beginning of the month because I, I, I'm, I'm deliberate about saving. So it's that, that savings. But can I say the truth is that if you put God last, if you, if you save, if you put your tithe last or give to God last, the chances are that you're going to get to the end of the month and there's not going to be anything left. And so God comes last in our priority list. He's, he's meant to come first. Everything you have is from Him. He should come first because it's, that first is an act of faith. Uh, that f- first is saying that I don't know if I'm going to have enough, but I'm making a step of faith to say, God, I'm putting you first. And so that's really the principle of tithing, where it's, a, where it's really a first fruit um, of, of things that, uh, of, of the, the, the income that we get. Um, can I just say it's not a cure for bad financial management? Because... Um, because, you know, the, the tithe, when we tithe to God, it, it brings a blessing too. Um, the Bible's clear of that. When we give to God, He will bless us. We will have enough. Um, but what it isn't is a cure for bad financial management. Um, in other words, God may provide for you, but you can still go down to the bookie and waste every penny and, and have nothing left and, and, and be in debt. So it's not a cure to bad financial management. But God does promise uh, to bless us. When we tithe, it should also be regular. It says each week, uh, regular. How often you get at your income, you, you tithe. And, and I know this is something that I've not always been good at, but 
I remember when we were in a church when Alina and I were just married, um, ooh, 2003. Um, so we, we were living in America, and um, Americans are actually really good with this, um, with structuring their, you know, tithing and everything. So the church, when you became a member, we don't do this in, in Arena, but um, they gave you a series of envelopes. So they'd give you 52 envelopes for every week of the year for your tithe. And it was like personalized Stephen Robbins and how much you're giving. And I'm not, we're not going to do that at Arena, just so you know. I know many of you give online and all sorts. But um, what it did do to me, though, is get me in that habit of thinking, like, what am I giving to God this week? And actually, although it can be a little legalistic, and I, I personally don't like that approach, I actually, that was the habit I generated of, of just saying regularly, I'm going to put aside to God because of those little envelopes that got posted through my door and I suppose did the job um, of what they were intended to do. So regular, but also proportional uh, giving. So uh, it's in keeping with your income. Uh, it says there, in keeping with your income, uh, a portion of the money that you've earned. Um, and so... Really, it's so important, and this is why the percentage model is so good. This is why the, the tithe, the tenth, is so good, because it's not about who gives the most. It's about giving in proportion with what God has given you, uh, in proportion with what He has, has blessed you with. And you see, when you give to God, what it does is it breaks the grip of materialism in your life. It loosens the power of money uh, in your life, to rule your life. And there's so many other verses that we could look at um, that, um, you know, in the, in the New Testament, although it's not directly commanded to give 10%, uh, that there's so many examples of people giving according to their means, people giving beyond their means. It says God loves a cheerful giver. So we shouldn't give reluctantly. We should give out of a cheerful heart. And it also says that God will provide for your needs. So although Jesus didn't directly command a 10% figure, um, I honestly believe that he didn't do that because he doesn't want us to be stuck on that figure. By the way, I believe that 10% is a good thing to do. I believe it's, it, it's a great thing to do. But to be honest with you, that's just the starting point for many people. That's just, you see, that's what the, the Old Testament uh, people of Israel were required to do. This was a people who just were maintaining their temple. They were just looking to you know, maintain and keep, uh, upkeep the Levites who, who needed supporting. But the reality is we are a different people now. We are a people who have a message that we want to take to the whole world. We're a people that believe we have a message of hope, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we want to share with as many people as possible. And so, to be honest with you, I think we should be going over and beyond that. That we can easily be restricted into that 10%, but we should just be generous with what God has given us. There's a guy in, in the Bible called Zacchaeus who turned his life over to Jesus and said, I'm going to give 50% to, to, to back, basically give 50% away to the poor. There was a, uh, an illustration in the Bible where, where it was said, if you have two coats, Give one away and keep one for yourself. That's 50%. There's a story as well about a rich young ruler. And Jesus, you know what he said to him? He said, you're wealthy. Give it all away. And he's like, I can't do that. 50%, 50%, 100%. Relax. Relax. Breathe. 
we're not saying that that is a number that you have to give. We're not getting caught up on a number. But what I do know is that we have to be generous to the God who provides all of our needs, who gives everything to us. I've told you, forgive me if I use this illustration again. I've given you the illustration before of, of my little boy, Lucas, six years old now. At the time, he was a lot younger. It's quite a while ago. Um, of when I bought him a bag of crisps. And um, I think we were in the car at the time, so I handed the crisps to him. Um, and, and he started eating them. And I said, you give, can you give me one back? I'd, I'd quite like a crisp. And I didn't do it for any, to you know, prove a point to him or anything. I just fancied a crisp. And, uh, and obviously Lucas was like, no, no, I'm not giving you any back. And I was like, come on, Lucas, just one. I've given you the whole bag. Can you not give me one back? And let me tell you, it's not because I couldn't afford a bag of crisps. It's not because... Um, I wanted to take it back from him and, and cause him any pain. But the reality is, that's our attitude so often, is that we, God gives us everything we have, and then he says, you know, what are you going to give back to me? And we, we say, nothing. I won't give anything back. Tithing comes out of a grateful heart to God. You know what? Personally, and we encourage 10% giving. That's something we do. But what I don't want you to do is let that be a stumbling block to giving anything at all. Because, because it's not about a number. It's about saying, God, I'm going to bless you because you've blessed me. I'm going to, to give back to you, God, because everything I have is yours. Everything you've blessed me with, not only the gift of salvation, but you've blessed me with so many material possessions. How could I ever hold back giving back to God? And so really, you know, if I can just, just inspire you that, that, that we should not be limited by a percentage. We should not be, be, be focused on a number, not focused on ticking a box, but just focused on, on our God who is so good. Who's not interested in your money. He's interested in your heart. He's interested in you saying, God, you have my heart, all of me, all of my time, God. All of my devotion, God. All of my finance, God. All of my efforts, Lord. I just want to do everything I can to worship you and for you to see my gratitude uh, for everything that you have done for me. You know, we were with friends this week and, and you know, talking about making it matter. And, well, we weren't talking about making it matter, but it, it applies to this message um, where we were talking about people who, who earn three pounds a day and survive on that, and yet we're in a world where we so easily spend money, don't we? But we're not using it for anything that really matters. And I'm as guilty as all of you for that. We want to, with our finances, we want to make it matter. You know, whether it's giving to the poor or, or needy on this, in this earth, but whether it's giving to, to the church that enables us to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to people that have never heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's going to come a time where, um, where the money that we've stored up here on earth um, is going to be left behind. But that's why the, the Bible says we are to store up treasures in heaven where moth and rust uh, won't decay it, but store up where there, there will be eternal benefits for... I, I believe that there will be people in heaven be, that, that we have been a part of seeing them saved, that, that were once going 
going to hell. But they're in heaven because of what we've done. Because of sharing the message. It doesn't just apply to finance. We're going to be looking at things, different things through the four weeks. But finance is a part of it. That people will be in heaven because of how we have invested what God has given to us. I'm going to call the guys up, the, the band, as, as we draw to a close today. You see.